Welcome to the first episode of the Matt Sardo podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sardo. Hey, how we doing? How we doing? For those of you that don't know who I am, I am the founder of Monkey's Mighty Robots. I'm a dad of three kids, three daughters. Uh, I owned a comic book store in Chicago and I was a bartender for a long time. And I play hockey and I play disc golf. I think that kind of does everything in there. And I'm trying to survive the pandemic here in Florida. Uh, but yeah, that's where I am right now. I'm launching this podcast because the original intention of Monkeys Fighting Robots was a daily podcast. And I tried to pull that off with interviews and everything else. And then the website became bonkers big. And we were covering everything under the sun. And I went away from podcasting. And I have all this great equipment in my office, staring at me every day. And I was like, I have to get back to this. This is what I enjoy doing. I love interviewing people. I love talking with people. I love engaging with people. Because I'm a bartender. Well, you, you, you'll never be able to take the bartender out of me. Like, this, this is who I am. And I love chatting with people. I love getting to know people, like, on a level of just understanding, you know, more than just casual walk by. Kind of like, hey, what's up? Here's your beer. Thank you. No, like I want to actually have a conversation where like you leave the bar and you're like, hey, man, that guy Matt's kind of cool. And I feel better for having talked with him. You know, or at least I got something back from the from the conversation. Something a little bit deeper. Because uh, the, the past past year and a half has been crazy. So freaking crazy. I wanted to get back to podcasting. I wanted to get back to talking to you. I wanted to get a platform that kind of covers everything that I do and I can do everything that I want to do within the podcast. Monkeys Fighting Robots is really focused on comic books and that's the way we want it to be. And I was talking on the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast and then I kind of just meandered over into film and TV and, and the other things that were going on in my life and I don't think that's the proper platform right now. So I wanted to do my own podcast and get back to my roots of what I like, what do I enjoy, and, and what I want to talk to you about with. And the exciting part is that we will probably be talking about comic books a lot because that's, that's what I enjoy, and that's the people that I talk with a lot. The first episode features an interview by Scott Snyder because he has a brand new launch at Comixology. So that's going to be the bulk of this episode is the conversation with Scott Snyder and what he plans on doing at Comixology and what he thinks Comixology does for the rest of the comic book industry. And it got me excited for Comixology or just the service itself and comic books and, and where the evolution of comic books are going. You know, as soon as I got off the phone with him, I downloaded Comixology on my iPad sort of futzing around. Uh, if you go to the Monkey Spider Robots Instagram, you'll see that going on there. And we are going to have panel breakdowns live on Instagram that will talk about the comic books that Scott's working on. And I will be able to dig deep into the Comicsology uh, catalog and pull up some stuff. You know, the first thing I, I, I saw was like Spider-Man number one. I was like, let's, let's look at this in the digital format and zoom in and zoom out and see how everything works. And Oh, it's so brilliant. I mean, an iPad makes something makes everything look crystal clear. Uh, 
and I had that book in my hand as a kid, so I, like I know the experience, and that was like a very intense experience. Um, but I think the industry or the medium is evolving to where like I need to start reading more comic books digitally because <laughs> I'm missing out, and I want to get part of that. I want to be part of that. I don't want to miss out. I want to be able to like browse things the same way that I'm on Netflix all the time and I'm like watching random stuff or on YouTube or whatever. Like I want to be reading random comic books and enjoying them and then passing that on to you. So that'll be an interest. This month will be interesting as I engage comicsology aggressively and see what's out there for a person that was primarily a physical comic book person. Like that's all I've ever really enjoyed is just those books. And I'm not even a really a graphic novel kind of guy either. I, I like just a single issue book. I like getting to the last page. I like putting the book back in the comic book, having that pause, picking up the next one, and then reading that. Like there's something about that that I really enjoy. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to get that in comicsology, but maybe I will get something else out of it because I like how you can like zoom in and out of the panels and and really engage or access the artwork however way you want to word it like i can get i can just look at todd mcfarland's details 20 times uh, zoomed in and just just sit there and awe and be like oh this is so comforting comforting uh, but yeah no it's it's gonna this is gonna be a really interesting um time you know this podcast the the goals to have it to be come out weekly and the guests will range. I'm going to try to get a guest each episode, and we'll see how that goes. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on with film and TV as that all comes out of the pandemic. Uh, then we have our comic books that we deal with, and then I go disc golfing and I play hockey, and there might be like one-off stories from there. You know, I have my kids, and I'm in my mid-40s, and there are definitely some life lessons that I've learned that I feel like they need to be passed on to other people because they do not prepare you for your 40s at all. You're not prepared for them. They prepare you for a lot of things, but then you hit your 40s and you're like, okay, where did all this stuff come from? And how come nobody told me about it? But this is what I'm excited to uh, talk to you guys about in the future. But right now, we are going to talk with Scott Snyder about his comicsology books, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Hey, Scott, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. It's good to talk I, to you again. Yeah, it's been probably like three, four years now since the everything, all the craziness. I, I was thinking, yeah, I've done I've done other things, I feel like, with you guys here and there, but I haven't had a chance to really sit down and talk, so it's good. So we have Scott Tober, Comicsology Scott Tober. Where yes. does this rank as a career highlight? Oh, I mean, I think it's the top. I mean, I, I like... I, I, at first I was like very nervous and hesitant about like them naming the month and the Scottoberfest and all this kind of stuff. And then I was like, you know what? It's going to happen once in my life. And I'm really so proud of all the hard work that my co-creators have, have put into these books that, you know, I was perfectly willing to go out there and ride a unicycle and juggle for DC stuff. If I'm not willing to do it for my own stuff in the biggest way, then and stuff that's co-created with my friends, then, you know, what did I sort of shill for all those years? So 
my feeling is always the same. And I tell my students this, that if you're proud of the work, you shouldn't be embarrassed to go out and make a fool of yourself promoting it in some way, you know, if you love it. So that's how I feel about these. I mean, I'm crazy nervous, you know, I'm, I'm really nervous um, because each project is so personal and uh, to both me and my co-creator on it also, um, but I'm elated. I'm really excited. And it's kind of the culmination of a decade in comics, you know, being able to finally um, step away a little bit from DC and Marvel and, and make things comprehensively that are owned by me and my, um, my partners on the books. New York Comic Con is this weekend. What will your emotions be like at the panel Saturday night with Greg? Oh, man, I, I don't even know. I mean, I haven't seen Greg in almost two years, you know, and we talk all the time. I mean, there's almost no day that goes by that we're not texting. And we talk on the phone, you know, pretty frequently as well. So it's weird because on the one hand, we're closer than ever. And that, you know, we, we both had a lot of, I think, challenges the last couple of years on personal level because of the pandemic. And so, you know, again, we were on really close contact. And to finally do something together after 10 years of working together that we own, that's ours, that's sort of all the things we love to do at DC, but done in our own way on our own terms and a different sort of fresh uh, take, you know, with a different fresh take. It's just joy, you know? So I, I feel like I'll probably cry and then he'll beat me up, make fun of me or something. But I can't wait for it. I really miss that guy. We talked about it. I was supposed to drive out and visit him a couple times and then things got in the way, both first with him and then with me, with family stuff, kids getting sick and all that. So really, really thrilled. I can't wait. Yeah, some of my friends that I haven't seen in the longest time, like my male friends, like our hugs are completely different now. You know, like the hugs are just next level kind of thing of the friends you make. Yeah, yeah, I can't um, wait. Kind of mentioned on it when you were talking with Greg and, and, and having the project of your own, like as a digital platform, do you think how the reader will engage your content differently? Very much, yeah. I mean, I think for us, like we wanted it, the book to feel immersive and immediate and uh really experiential the way that it reads is different the way we do captions is different the way that we think about page turns and pacing is different um and then we kind of rejigger that and reorganize it when it when we think about print later um it's the same content but just the way that it's laid out the page breaks and things are different so we are we want it to be something that really feels like you can lose yourself in it i i did a lot of thinking about what I, you know, what I love about digital versus print, because the truth is, I mean, I wouldn't have signed up with Comixology Originals, even if they offered us great rates and all the ancillary rights and all the things that they did, if I didn't believe in what we were trying to do in a bigger level in our partnership with them for these books. And for me, that really is about trying to promote the idea adamantly and proselytize about how digital and print shouldn't be competitive, how digital should be an on-ramp for print in different ways, but that for so long, I feel like digital has been held in this competitive position because a there hasn't been, at least through comiXology and stuff, huge pushes in terms of um, original books. They've had great stuff over the last years, but I think they're stepping up their game in the last year, especially with you know things like Adora and and with Mark Burden and Ariel Crescentina and then Snow Angels with, with Jeff um, and Jock and uh, Chip's book, Afterlit, all that stuff, like they're, they're leveling up. 
And I think what that does is it gets people to say, oh, like it's the model that we're used to now from streaming where there's exclusive content, you get a subscription, and then you get to browse all of these great things they have. And the reason that I got so excited talking to Comixology was I realized they have all of these books by emergent writers and artists that were my students and uh, some of whom were my students and I think are really exciting creators in the business. And they have all these classics that made me want to write, you know, from Dark Knight Returns to, and those things are all free is my point once you get a subscription. So they're all browsable and they're not, you don't have to buy everything. So it's almost like a kind of the ability, it gives you the ability to kind of search and find what you love through a subscription and then go to the store and buy what you want for yourself. And that to me is like a, a model that I see my kids embracing on every like level of consumption that, you know, their lives for their lives with when it comes to how they do music, how they do TV, how they do movies, how they do books, manga, everything. So I just think comics has been kind of behind the curve in terms of allowing digital to be kind of a place for new readers and, you know, seasoned readers as well to explore and then think about print as something that's special that you go and you get, you know, in a robust way, but also in a way that is for the things that you know you like too. And I think that benefits stores. You know, I think we see a big boom right now in other industries in that regard. Like you're seeing a boom in independent bookstores right now. I think a lot of that is because people listen on Audible or read digitally and then they want the book, you know, and they want the community. And the fact is like, when I was a kid, I could have had a subscription and I did when I went away to camp, like sleepaway camp, where, because I couldn't get to a store where you could always bypass a comic store to get your comics from Marvel and DC. So the goal isn't to um, make books digitally as to undercut print, but the opposite, to make digital, to, to do it digitally in a way where we're encouraging people to get a subscription um, so that they can browse comics and then go to the store to meet other comic fans to meet incredible retailers that are out there, you know, that knowledgeably pushing things that are brand new and classics and all of it and become part of the community in a way that doesn't sort of, I think, you know, pit one format against another in a ridiculous and needless way. Francis Menopal is one of my favorite artists. His work, when I see his work, it is so comforting. It's like one of right? the most amazing feelings that I get <laughs> when I see his work. What does he bring to the table with Clear? Oh, man. Well, Francis is, he's a dear, dear friend. We became friends back in like, you know, 2013, 2014, when he was doing um, Detective Comics and uh, with, um, I think it was with Brian, right? Or with, I don't remember, but it was when he was doing Detective and that stuff. And then he came and visited and, and we wound up, I, we visited Toronto and me and my family and we become very close. And so, we started talking about this project in about 2017, clear. And it's based on our kind of shared fears of the future. You know, we both look around, we both have young kids and we feel like everybody is uh, sort of isolating in, in ways that uh, are really damaging. You know, you see uh, on the most banal level, like, you know, disappearing into your phone to much more systemic and terrifying levels where people are becoming so incredibly provincial and kind of wrapped up in bubble wrapped in their own sort of information feeds that nobody wants to meet and talk about anything real. And so we tried to create this book as a way of exploring that using a genre we both love, like, you know, speculative sci-fi 
And for him, he told me when we started, he was like, I just want to have freedom to explode. And just like, you know, the, the fun of the book for him is that it imagines a world where everybody connects to the internet neurologically and the big sort of trend or the thing everybody does is to skin the world or filter it however they want. So the superstructure is still there, but um, they can see it as like 1940s glam or manga or porn or whatever it is they want to see, they see zombie apocalypse. And so it's this visual feast for, for uh, Francis to be able to just be like, hey, this person's looking through 1930s animation filter. I want to draw like, you know, old Ink Studios, you know, kind of uh, Acme, you know, like uh, animated style. Or you know what? Let's do a Western. I always wanted to draw a Western. So someone's seeing a bar in issue two, it is this amazing thing where you see this, there are two people meet in a bar and you see how everyone's seeing it. And it's this like crazy kind of Western saloon, but it's not, you know, underneath. And so it gives him the, the beauty of all the books I think is that they're they're shared ideas with the creator none of them were like here's an idea go do this it was all about hey I have an idea what do you think and then they built on it themselves and and felt if it was right or not and so for this book clear it's just Francis is like it's it's so much him like he came up with so many ideas the main character has some of his cultural background all of it he's just like you know, so visually, though, he's just, I think, and he'll tell you it's his best work of his career. He's like, this is my, my best work. I love it. And um, you should see by issue two and three, when he loosens up, because he's used to the world, it's just off the charts. I, I'm so proud of him. Uh, that's, that's awesome. That, that gets me really excited. And then you've never worked with uh, Francesco before. What has impressed you about his work on Night of the Ghoul? Oh, I did. He was on um, Black Mirror with me. And uh, oh, okay. like back in Detective Comics. So um, he was part of my, he was one of the first creators that ever took like a chance on me when I was brand new. So we did that Detective Comics run um, uh, that we called the Black Mirror. It was me, him and Jock. And uh, Francesco was already a big artist and Jock was like a megastar. And they were the two artists that I went to being like, will you do this story with me? I'm nobody. And both of them took a chance and I'm forever grateful. So Francesco has been a good friend ever since, but we haven't had a chance to really work together comprehensively since then. Um, although we've done like little things like a, you know, one shot here, a one shot there kind of stuff over the years, we've been waiting to do something. And so I pitched him this idea back in, it must've been like 2016 where I was like, listen, let's create a new classic monster, but one that fits this moment. And he was like, great, let's do it. And we just started talking and we were like, what monster doesn't get any love? <laughs> like out of all the kind of pantheon, we were like, ghoul, what is a ghoul even? And we were looking it up and it's really terrifying. It's like a creature that, you know, looks almost human and eats the dead. And then is sort of uh, like a, a kind of, you know, uh, like a kid brother to a zombie. But we were like, let's make it super scary. So the story is about um, a guy who is kind of a loser who always wanted to work in film, but um, winds up digitizing old films and finds the remnants of this lost, last, this lost, great, like fictional um, horror classic called Night of the Ghoul. And he is obsessed with it and is like, this is the greatest horror movie ever. And it's about a monster called the Ghoul that um, spawned the myths of all other monsters because it's this horrible sort of um creeping spider-like creature that invades a human host lives with inside of them for their whole life cycle 100 years or so 
causes them to like eat eat necrotic things, dead things in secret. And meanwhile, what it does is it builds up all of this pestilence. It's a god. It's kind of a creature that's responsible for the myths of all these like gods of disease and pestilence in the, in the old world. Because once it emerges, it creates civilization leveling plagues, everything from that to like little diseases that it will put out if you get too close to it. And then when it emerges, it's really horrifying. It's like this 10 foot tall, um, scary looking thing. And so the ghoul um, became this real lightning rod for me and Francesco to be like, well, let's let's create a story that's like about that now. Why is that monster scary? And it's scary, obviously, because of the pandemic. But it's also scary because with the people, there are people that worship the ghoul in our story, and they believe that when civilizations become too complicated and too um, myopic and egotistical, they need to be leveled and brought back to this basic survival is all there is. Together we survive, apart we fall, you know, we fall. And so there's this whole kind of paranoid feeling in the story about is this old man who's still alive, the guy who wrote and directed the film who our main character Forrest tracks down that's the opening of the story as he and his son track this guy down at a rest home where he's 100 years old is this guy you know just a storyteller or does he know something about the ghoul um in real life and does this thing exist in such a way that it could emerge tonight and so obviously it's the latter spoiler like there it's not just an interview with no ghoul but uh, it's huge fun because Francis, Francesco gets to draw the book. Half of it is in color and modern, and it's the interview. And as this place starts to get scarier and scarier, this rest home, and then the other half are the, is the remnants of the original film that he does in black and white and does it as almost like an old school kind of burned celluloid narrative. So it's huge fun. I love that book too. So the, the hope is that you look at all of them and see every book is designed with an artist, for an artist, as a co-creator. It's as much theirs as it is mine on all levels. And, you know, being able to, um, what I'm hoping is that the sampler also, along with these three books, shows the range of what we're trying to do. You know, we have a historical fiction book with Tula Lote coming out next wave. We've got a Western with Dan Finosian, Canary, a YA book with um, uh, Jamal Eigel and a manga influence book with Raphael Albuquerque and then a prose and, and a graphic mixture with Jock called the book of evil. So you've got, you know, just tons of things that we want to try. And, and the goal is to just be like for 10 years, I had a, the best job. I love working at DC. I love working on Batman. I love working on metal. I mean, I'm grateful. I love what we got to create, but all that time I was like, I had ideas that I wanted to do that I just couldn't do. And some of them have evolved and become different, but all of them are like, this is everything I've wanted to do with different creators over the last couple of years, just boom, like, you know, out in one, in one giant explosion where it's like the first three books come out weekly, you know, each one comes out each week. So it's like demons, one clear one, ghoul one, and then November demons two, clear two, ghoul two, and then December and so on. And then when those books end, the second wave of books start so it'll be like successive just you know waves of that and one of the reasons again we wanted to do it that way not to keep harking back harkening back to this but is i want people to be encouraged to get a subscription and not to feel like we're overpowering them with like buy you know 15 20 worth of books every month just from us it was really attractive to me that there was an affordable way for people to read all of our stuff and 
at the price of one and then have it be hopefully a gateway for them to discover other great creators, you know, new, uh, uh, legendary and fall in love with comics all over again in these crazy and rough times. I'm, I'm super excited about all the books. I can't, I can't wait to, you know, get them all together and, and, and just look at the different designs and stuff like that. Scott, my, my time is up. Have a great time at New York <laughs> Comic Con. I'm, I'm jealous. I'm fearful and jealous of you going there. You know, have a blast and, and best of luck with Scott Tober. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And we have to do this more often. I always love talking to you and I feel bad that it's been as long as it has. I feel like I DM once in a while and I'm like, hey, are you doing whatever? But I mean, uh, it'd be fun to, to get to do this because we have so much stuff coming out anyway. Over the course of the next few months, you know, have like a really regular open channel. That was Scott Snyder. And I'm so jazzed for his books to come out. Uh, this week, we have uh, we have Demons, written by Scott, with art by Greg Capullo. Issue 1 drops October 5th. Clear, written by Scott, with art by Francis Menopole. Uh, hits uh, Comixology on October 12th. And then Night of the Ghoul, written by Scott, with art by Francesco Francavilla. Uh, drops October 19th on Comixology. And then also, let me get my script out. Are you planning to visit the New York Comic Con on Saturday, October 9th? Don't forget to check out legendary comic book creator Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo as they discuss their first creator-owned title from Comixology Originals. Plus, get ready to celebrate Scott Tober this October with three Scott Snyder debut titles coming to Comixology Unlimited. Try a 30-day free trial of Comixology Unlimited and get access to all of these Scott Snyder titles and over 40,000 comics, graphic novels, and manga. Go to comicsology.com backslash unlimited to get started today. And that's what I did. I got started today. I hopped on Comixology and I just started going down the rabbit hole to see what they have. And there is so much good stuff that I can't wait to share with you guys in the future so you can uh, follow monkey spider robots on twitter uh the instagram at monkey spider robots is where i'm going to be posting a lot of videos these panel breakdowns and then i'm on twitter at matthew sardo uh, if you want to engage with me during a bears game i always am going through that uh abuse um the met season has just ended so i'm not on there as much for that uh, the Devils season will be starting up too, and then hockey. Um, and then also, if you are a disc golfer, um, you know, and you want to chat about disc golf, you can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter, and that's how I can totally engage with you guys. If you like this interview, please let me know. You know, big question, are you comfortable going to New York Comic Con? I'm still not. Um, but, you know, I hope everybody is safe, and I hope everybody has a great time. And I only want the best for the creators and fans and the safety of them. And, and I hope everything goes smoothly and healthy and awesomely. So uh, this is the first episode. I'm going to wrap it up and I will see you next week with a guest. Not sure who it is. And that's going to be exciting. Talk to you later.